I've been telling jokes at Alpha. For those, for those that have been at Alpha, I've been telling jokes. Well, the one I told on Monday was, what happens when a frog's car breaks down? It gets towed away. See, that's the, re- that's the reaction I got on Monday as well. Anyway, right. So we're going to look, talk, uh, talk about, look at, a very light subject. Um, it's sort of come out a little bit today, actually, in the worship and stuff, which is quite helpful. Um, we'll talk a bit about God's purpose in, in well, in election, really, in, in why he chooses and, and, and what that's for. Um, which is actually one of my favourite subjects, but I didn't actually choose this um, myself. It kind of, well, it, it sort of, I just thought it was right. Um, but I wonder, as I start, and the men in the room will probably have had this a bit more, maybe than the women, but there's a, probably a women's version of it, where you, you've had a situation, I'll spell the story out for you so you can, you can imagine, where you're on the football pitch, if you go back to school, I suppose you might need some pastoral care after this, bringing up old kind of memories, but you're on the football pitch and, uh, and the, the teacher gets you all in the row and he picks like the two best footballers or, or whatever. And then they've got to pick from the, the row of people, I'll have him on my team, and then the next one says, I'll have him on my team, and I'll have him on my How many of you, you know, don't put your hands up, but I wonder how many of you were the last person I always was. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan's honest there. I just say don't. But I was always the last person left. And when I got put on the team, you, you, hear, the, you hear the sigh of the whole team. Oh, it's him. <laughs> and I wasn't good at football. I never have been. I'm still not. I can't stand it. Um, but I was always the last person to get chosen. So I'll pray for you later if that's you. Uh, but it's good news. Um, because God has called and chosen all of us. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Um, so God has chosen you and me. But this, this kind of doctrine, this idea of election and God choosing people is quite contentious, really. There's a lot of debate, and I'm not going to go into all the theological debates and stuff because we'll be here all night. Um, But there's a lot of debate about this, and some people will say God chooses a group of people and you join that group of people and you're part of his chosen. And other people will say God chooses individual people for salvation and there's kind of a truth to both in some way, actually, as I hope we'll see. But what gets lost as we think about this is why God chooses. And there's a sort of a mystery to it in a lot of ways. But there's also this idea that God chooses us to fulfill his purpose in the world. Um, he chooses us to follow his plan and purpose, bring his light, bring his life. And I just want to go through, really, from the Old Testament. It's kind of a bit of an overview, really, from the Old Testament into the New, looking at why God works this way. What is his plan and purpose? Why did he choose you? Why did he choose us? And it's essentially three kind of stages 
of God's plan and purpose in the world and how he how his sort of his purpose for choosing works out in the world as we go through from the Old Testament to today. He has a chosen nation, a chosen man and a chosen people. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start here. We're going to go, as I say, through the journey, so we'll go to other passages. But if you've got your Bible, in Isaiah, go to Isaiah 49. Uh, we'll start with the first five chapters. We'll go a little bit into the later ones in a bit. Let's give you a minute. Isaiah 49. I'll start reading. You can catch up. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. And before he, and he made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God is my strength. So here God chose a nation. First he chose a man, Abraham. And from Abraham came a nation, Israel. And in the passage, she's personified as a person. She is speaking to the coastlands, the islands, the nations that are far away, geographically and far away from God. And it says that she's called from the womb. Israel is called from the womb. Before the nation was born, she was in the heart and mind of God to fulfill his purpose, to bring life to the nation. And there's this kind of language of this sort of intimacy. He's in God, she's in God's hand, but there's also a kind of battle thing. She's like an arrow, a bow and arrow. So she, she Israel, is called to display his splendor and his glory and his life to all nations. But Israel's story is a tragic story. We, like tra- we quite like tragic stories, really. Like Romeo and Juliet is a tragic story. It's a love story that ends with tragedy. Um, spoiler alert, they can't marry each other and then they end up dying. If you, haven't, if you don't know Romeo and Juliet, then you really um, haven't been around much, but that's what happens. But it is a tragic story. Um, instead of being a great victor in the hand of God, this is what it says a bit... Actually, it's not later. It's in the passage I just said. It says, I have laboured in vain and spent my strength on nothing at all. So instead of fulfilling her call to be a light to the nations, she disobeys God. She lives like the nations around her, follows their kind of way of thinking, worships their gods, and they're taken away into exile. Israel. They're taken away into exile to another nation, to Babylon. And Judah, part of Israel, is taken to 
can't remember where it is, Assyria. Go on, who knows your history? Somewhere like that. But there's this... Lucky it was Assyria, really, isn't it? <laughs> For those of you in Scotland, it wasn't Scotland. Um, and so, but they, but they go away into exile into this, and, it, and it's this dark place for the nation, because God has got this purpose for them. You are going to be a light to the nations to fulfill my plan and purpose. The Gentiles will hear about God, the God of Israel, through the nation. So they go into this really dark place, this exile. And there's this psalm by David, which some believe is, um, is used by the exiles while they're away from God. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth for him of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods, which is what I've done. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire but my ears have opened. Burns offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is in my heart. I will proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not, I do not my lips. Lord, as you know, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. And I read the whole thing because there's a song of hope for God's people. It's called a, dark, it's called a pit, a slimy pit. I went walking and I saw this, what looked like hard ground, and I put my foot on it, and it was, it was like boggy, swampy stuff. It's quite dangerous, really, because it looks like it isn't. It looks like it's solid ground. And it went all up my leg, and I had to drive home with a wet leg, and... Only both my legs, I can't remember. And it was a slimy pit. And, and it, but it is really dangerous because I could have gone under, actually. Um, you couldn't see it coming. And Israel was in this dark place. But there's hope that God would save them. And just to say to us, although it's kind of an aside from the main point that I'm going to here, in that place, God will restore and there's hope of that in the dark places, in our life. Um, sometimes God lifts us out of that pit for a while. We come somewhere like this, we worship, and, and the problem's still there, and sometimes, maybe all the time, eventually, he takes us out of that dark place. But in the dark places of our life, there is a hope. And that's what Israel had, they had a hope. And at the end of Isaiah 49, it comes back and they start singing about the salvation reaching the ends of the earth. So Israel still had the hope of God's promise to them. They'd been called by God to reach all the nations. And they still hoped in that. 
But it didn't quite happen how it thought it was, because Israel believed that the, that the nations would become like them. They got circumcised, they go to the temple, they give sacrifice, they, all of that stuff, they worship God in the way they worship, Israel worship God. But that wasn't quite why God chose them. That's not the purpose of God for the nations to become like them, which is where we come on to the second bit. Israel get restored to their land and it doesn't happen the way they thought it would. And God's promises haven't failed them. Because from Israel comes a chosen man. Some of you might know where this is going already. But it's just looking through the history of how God works. So God chose Israel for the benefit of the nations. If you go to John, if, I'll just read it. You don't have to keep turning now, but John 1, 29. If you want to look, you can. But just listen if you want to. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. Important. Chosen one. So as John the Baptist is baptizing people, he sees Jesus. Remember, Israel is chosen as a nation to bring light to the nations, and it seems they fail. John sees Jesus, and he says, He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three things, okay? Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the fulfillment of John's, John the Baptist's mission to reveal the Messiah. And he's God's chosen one. Now he is. He's still with me. Do you know where, do you know where this is going? Here's Jesus. Right? Here's Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. And the promise to Israel was they would be a light to the nations. Israel was given the promise that the king would come from them to rule the nations. And now, John the Baptist says, he is revealed to Israel. And it says that Israel is called by God from the womb. And now here is God's chosen one coming to Israel, born from the womb of a woman and chosen by God. And so... This is where a little bit to the jigsaw. I was building the jigsaw the other day and there's pieces missing. I can't stand it, but hopefully all the pieces come together. It's, it didn't work, by the way. You don't really do jigsaws at home. But, but there's pieces missing. It's awful. But, but, the, but the pieces of the jigsaw come together, hopefully, because what you start to see is Jesus is the fulfillment of God's call for Israel. Okay? He is. Israel, personified 
essentially. What Israel was called to be, a light to the nations, Jesus is. God kept his promise to them. He's called them for the purpose and he has fulfilled that purpose through Jesus. He's the ultimate one that is chosen by God. See where it goes. It goes through a whole nation down to a man. God's plan to, to bless the nations. And he dies and rises again for people from in Revelation, every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation before the throne of God in heaven in Revelation. That's what Jesus died for, for people from every nation. And so the promise and purpose of God for choosing his people, Israel, is fulfilled through Jesus. And as Keith said this morning, he was saying about looking around them as different people and different different. Um, backgrounds and also from different nations and again tonight there is many nations here because of Jesus but there's one other thing what happens then Jesus goes back to heaven so where does the story come to us he has a chosen people 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother, Sophonus, to the church of God in Corinth, though sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Thus God confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see where this is going. God's purpose in calling Israel was to be a light to the nations through Jesus that light has come and now we are called to continue that purpose. If you go to the, front, the beginning of Acts, you don't have to go there, but it says, uh, in the first book I wrote of the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And Acts is about the church, so it's kind of the church continues that purpose of Jesus. And in that passage, the call is used again three times. Twice about the church and once about Paul himself being called as an apostle. So a called nation becomes a called man, becomes a called people. And Israel essentially ceases to be 
a physical nation and becomes a spiritual people who continue the work of God in bringing light to the nations. And it's debates about the physical nation of Israel and their place in the future, which I won't go into. There is debate about that. And Paul talks about through Jesus that Israel kind of comes back at the end to God and then continues that purpose. But we all, there's no Jews in the room as far as I know, none of us are of a Jewish origin as far as I know, but we are Gentiles, non-Jews, who finish God's plan, continue God's plan that he had for his nation, Israel. And that's why every one of us is called. That's why we're called as a church and called and chosen individually. So Paul was called to be an apostle and we're all called with gifts to fulfil God's purpose. And as Israel and Jesus were called from the womb, you were called from the womb, from your mother's womb, to be used to bring light to the nation. It's got to be a little bit exciting, hasn't it? No, maybe not. I think it is. Look, the Bible talks about before you were born, God chose you to fulfil his plan and purpose, to be part of his, his purpose on the earth. In fact, it says before the foundation of the world, he called you. It doesn't say that he looked down and saw that you would believe and then he chose you. He saw you and chose you to work out his purpose and bring light into the nations. That's how it works. Whatever our minds might say about that, that teaching, that, that is the biblical pattern. We are chosen. And that should be a an exciting, uh, joy-filled, just, we are, God has chosen me and you to do his work. To bring light to the nation. I remember Bex, you were saying to me, you didn't know I was going to say this, but you were talking about this a little bit the other day, and Bex's view on it is, you wouldn't be here, do you mind me saying this, that you wouldn't be here if, you were chosen by God. And that's part of Bex's story, that she knows God's chosen her because he wouldn't be here if he hadn't. And he's called you for a purpose, and all of us. And we've all got stories of how we came to know Jesus and where we came from. All just to show his glory. And that's where we find ourselves in Chester. Like Chester may have existed as a little Roman city at the time Jesus was around. I don't really know the, the timeline of it. But there wasn't Christians in Chester when Jesus was on the earth, and certainly not when Israel was supposed to fulfil his purpose. And yet here we are in Chester, a bunch of people who are different, called by God, filled with his spirit, and empowered to go. And so, that's what we're called to do. But I just want to emphasise it. We can get evangelism wrong, we can get the idea of this wrong. It's not just, it is about telling people about Jesus. But 
I've heard so many people say, you need to be talking about Jesus. Always be telling people about Jesus. But he has filled us with his spirit. And as we go into Chester and the places that we come from outside of Chester and work and school and all the places we go, putting him at the centre, we are bringing light, the light of Jesus to the places where we are. Fulfilling his plan and purpose for us. That is amazing. That is amazing. Why would God call us? Partly this is why. So we're compelling people to come by loving Jesus, centering on him, by his grace. And that's important, by his grace. Again, I was talking to Mark the other day about grace. Mark's really been captured by some stuff about grace uh, for a while, haven't you? And it's, it's that thing of we do it by grace, not because we're told we have to. Everywhere we go, we're bringing light. And guess what? We'll fail. It's great, isn't it? We will fail like Israel did. <laughs> We've got to be honest about this. We fail. I, I go into work sometimes and I, you know, I, I, I just try and just be me. I just be a Christian in work. I don't try too hard, but people know I'm a Christian. And, and sometimes I'll be really good and, and, and helpful and, and love people. And another time someone annoys me and I moan about them for a bit to my other colleagues in work and be like, oh, look at that thing he said to me now. Um, you know, which is stupid. And, and then I realise and I think, no, you don't do that. That's not how we work. But that's okay. We fail. But not completely like Israel did. Because he doesn't let us go. He doesn't drop us. He continues to use us for his purpose. And we can share his victory and his life and his love and his gospel through our lives, through our world. I just want to pray. I'm stopping there, that's it. I'm going to pray. Yeah? Um, I want to pray for you. Um, and with you. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, um, that you have chosen us. And as we look over history and we see your plan and purpose coming to bear, we see a nation, we see Jesus, and we see us as part of that plan. Thank you, Lord, that you would choose us to be part of your mission, of your plan. And I pray for grace on every one of us, and for the power of your Holy Spirit on every one of us, to go to the places where you've placed us, and to bring your presence, and your word, and your truth. Some of us are called to go further afield. Some of us are called, like we're doing that, which to do church planting, missionary, all that stuff. But right where we are today, in our workplaces and our studies, and our fill us with your spirit. Empower us to bring your light into the places that we are going. Thank you that you've called and chosen us to belong to you. Before we did anything, 
that was worth anything. We worship you, Lord. We thank you.